And, and I can look back now at those examples and say, okay, you know, that's what I learned from that and this is what I can do with it now. And that's when you know that you've healed. Welcome to the Juggling the Chaos of Recovery podcast, where we focus on health and wellness and overcoming all types of addictions. You're in the right place if you're a mom, dad, sibling, or caregiver who has a loved one who is or was struggling with an eating disorder or any other kind of addiction. In a time where everything seems heavy, I'm here to bring you a very real yet lighthearted take on what the heck we're all supposed to do with our lives while we care for our loved ones who are struggling. One thing holds true throughout it all. You can't juggle the chaos without smiling, at least a little bit. Well, welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Moira Gorski. So thrilled that you are back here today. And um, as I say often, it's one of my favorite days because I get to bring you the people that I meet along the way in life, um, my friends, my guests, and today is no exception. Uh, We have um, a beautiful gal coming to share her story and just to talk about um, a lot of things we talk about, about resilience and about recovery and about getting past shame and things like that. So today, um, Elle Whitehall is joining me. Uh, I live in a suburb of Chicago, and she is involved with the downtown association and helping all of these great businesses thrive. And that's how I have met her. So thank you for joining me today, Al. I'm really excited that we can have this conversation. Yeah, thank you so much for having me today. I really um I can't thank you enough for, you know, I look at this as a real opportunity to um, share things. So thank you for that. Yeah. Well, you're welcome. I'm honored that you chose my platform to, you know, again, share your story and, um, and we're going to have a good time chatting today. Um, And as I, again, as I say, everybody has a story (laughs) as I started to, you know, talk about this podcast and um, sharing it um, and sharing people's stories. I, had conversations and it just seems like everybody has a story. And so um, you do have a story. Again, you've come through the other side of struggles. And um, as we always start, let's start with your story and not the down and dirty and all of those (laughs) yucky details, but just, you know, how you got there Mm -hmm. and how you're, how you got through that to where you are today. Let's start there. Yeah. Oh gosh. Um, it's always hard, right? It's hard to um, share your story. Um, and I think any story, any struggle, any any addiction you've had, any uh, whether it's a bad marriage, a loss, uh, anything, I think it's, it's really hard and you wanna always surround yourself with um, people that are safe to do that with. And so again, I just want to thank you today for this opportunity because I could just tell that, you know, you're, you know, you're, what you want to do with other people is to really help them in the recovery process. And, and you do that by having a platform that people can be safe with you and, and hopefully make a difference for other people. So, you know, I started down a road probably my senior year in high school. And, you know, I was the cheerleader and I was the girl on the boys soccer team and I was the school newspaper editor and I was all of these things that, um, you know, I was living life and, you know, you're just kind of the all American girl and you've got the friends and you're doing all this stuff. And, and, you know, my senior year, um, was a really, really tough year for me. And I, I don't think I ever really dealt with it 
um, and and it led into it led into some really poor decisions that followed me for many years after that. You know, um, I don't share this story a lot. It's still painful, but um, I had a um, a best friend in high school, and her name was Fonny, and um, and you know we did everything together like all people do. You know, you you pick them up, you take them to school, you drop them off, you do all those things. And she played volleyball and, and I played soccer. And um, and I would usually take her home after games. And uh, we had a game one time that um, my bus, my soccer bus got, got home sooner than the volleyball bus. And I remember um, that I had to go home because there was, I believe it was world history. Um, anyways, it was something I really had to study for. And I knew that I wasn't allowed to stay after. Um, and so I couldn't, I couldn't give her a ride home. And so I had asked, um, another person that was there. I knew he was going to be taking his girlfriend home, Lindsay. She was, she was also a friend of ours. And I just said, Hey, can you take Fonnie home? Can you, can you just drop her off when you drop off Lindsay? And he's like, sure, that's no problem. And, uh, the next morning, you know, I got up and, um, and, you know, Fonnie didn't make it home and, and she ended up, um, there was a car wreck that night and um, he walked away from it. Um, he he walked away from it and um, and Lindsay passed away and then Fonnie was in um, was in a coma for three months before she passed away. And um, and I think, you know, at that age, you know, the friendship we had, the guilt that I had dealing with, with that was very, very strong and it was something that um, I didn't know how to handle. So, um, and I think from that moment on is when I started going down a road um, that was destructive and, and self-sabotaging. Well, and that's, uh, you know, those, those high school friendships are when you can find that, you know, when you have the best friend in high school, I mean, those are, those are like, those are real strong at that point, you know, those are your, your lifelines, your strong relationships. I mean, they are, they it's all are you know, that's all you know, it's right. all you know. Right. 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 And, and, you know, it was a small town. Um, so the, the guilt that followed me, I mean, you know, I, I was very good. I was very close with her brothers and, and her parents and, um, and, you know, it was. And it wasn't, you know, I, I, again, I didn't know you then and mm-hmm. I just know you a little now, but you know, mm-hmm. it wasn't your fault, right? It just mm-hmm. happened to be circumstances that yeah, you had to go you know, study. I mean, I know. Yeah, right, right, right. right. It's taken a lot of years to get to that point, right? Because you see the pain and you're like, okay, I... Yeah, would have, could have, should have. I told him to take her home, right? Mm -hmm. So, and I think then it just really started. You know, I gave up a a soccer scholarship that I could have had. And I, you know, decided to go to a different college, which wasn't, you know, probably what I would have chosen had I been in a better frame of mind. And... And, you know, you just kind of see, you, you lose sight of the person you used to be. Like you become this kind of shell of a person just going through, figuring out how to how to handle pain and trauma and, and figuring out a way to mask it any way that you can. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's the road I went down. Well, and they we often talk about on this podcast how someone, you know, perhaps before the struggle begins, they have an identity as a dancer, as a swimmer, as, yeah. uh, you know, you with your friend. 
I mean, that was your identity in high school. And then I've, again, I've spoken with many that they got injured. And so then they couldn't be a dancer anymore. I have somebody that they moved, uh, the, you know, parents moved to uh, Japan and she couldn't figure skate anymore. Like, where was she? She said, well, who am I if I can't figure skate? Who am yeah. I? Who are you if you don't have your friend who you did everything with. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that identity is gone. And we tend to, when addictions and struggles come, we take something on that's, like you said, helping to mask that pain. It's self-destructive, no doubt, but we find that to give ourselves comfort. To numb it, right? And to numb it and and to not do, and and so what ends up happening is you're, you didn't deal with one issue, but you're developing another issue on top of it. And then it just snowballs to the point of self-destruction. I mean, it, it did for me, mm-hmm. right? It just, it snowballed and it snowballed and it snowballed. And next thing you know, you're lying and cheating and stealing to feed something that you built to deal with an issue you never dealt with, mm-hmm. you know? And, and those other things, I mean, we all have those things and some people don't deal with it in that way, which is really good, um, but some people do. And, um, and it leads you down a way that um, is a very, very hard road. Mm-hmm. And very yet road. you're here today. So you've made it through, mm-hmm. you know, the other side. And, you know, what do you feel like, again, whatever you want to share, mm-hmm. you can share. But what do you feel like helped you get out of that pit of, you know, self-destruction and that helped you want to move forward to have a better tomorrow than today? You know, someone said to me once, and it was life changing to me, because, you know, when you're going through um, bad decision making and poor choices and, you know, you're not making those decisions with the intention of hurting other people. Generally, you know, you're not making those decisions saying, oh, this is going to lead down this path now. You're just you're just trying to put one foot in front of the other the only way you know how for a while. And, and sometimes that's destructive and coping mechanisms. I mean, that is, that turns into your coping mechanism. And, and you have to figure out a way to process that when you decide to make the choice, because it is a choice. It's a choice to recover. I mean, it is every single day. Mm-hmm. But someone said to me once, you know, um, choose your pain. And I, and I was like, what do, you, what do you mean choose your pain? Like, what does that mean? I don't, I don't understand what that means. And, and they're like, well, choose your pain. Are you going to choose the pain of staying in this? Right? Because this is painful. This is, this is going to lead to um, really bad things, right? And that you may not recover from. Or are you going to choose the pain of going through it? And I look at that now. Because, you know, when you're in recovery and you're dealing with all these other issues, sometimes you can't really focus on that kind of good advice because you're just trying to, you know, one foot in front of the other again. But I've reflected on that now, and it applies to every decision I make now, right? Because I know people that have gone through divorce, and I say to them, choose your pain. And, and they're like, oh, right? Because some people choose the pain of staying in it. Right. And, and like, okay, this is the decision I'm making, right. For whatever reason. And, and when you know that that's the decision you're making, you can 
you can handle things or you're going to choose the pain of going through it. And I think that that is, um, that can be applied to everything. But for me, it was fundamental in deciding that I deserved something better than the decisions I've been making. Absolutely. And did you ever, did you ever see just to lighten it up a little bit? Do you ever see the movie, the vow? No. Yeah. So there's a, there's a place in there. Um, it's with Shannon Tating, Tatum or whoever that oh, okay. good looking guy is. So yeah, it's a great, well, now I'll see it. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> it's a great movie to watch, but um, there's a spot in there where the husband, well, the, I don't want to give too much of the movie away, but the daughter realizes, finds out that the father cheated, you know, mm-hmm. some time ago mm-hmm. and confronted the mother about it and said, you know, why did you stay? Like, why, you know, and she said, I chose to look at the good and all of the good that that came from my marriage or whatever she said. But I just maybe think exactly yeah. of that, because, yeah. again, she chose to stay re- even though there was this issue and this yeah. infidelity and things like mm-hmm. that. And so yeah. life is about choices. I do that with my I yeah. share that all of the time, like with my business, you know, and helping people live a healthier life like here. Let me just. I want to educate you. I want to help you learn. Mm-hmm. And then you choose, you know, there's yeah. no, whatever you want to do. It's no, you know, I've it's taken me a long time to be like, it's okay. Whatever your choice is, you know, yeah. I'd like you to do this, right. but everybody has, everybody has a choice and boy, those choices are not, that doesn't mean that it's easy. Those choices, no. you know, no, and, I mean, it's something like when you focus on health, right? Like you have a choice. Are you going to, go to the gym or are you not going to go to the gym? And and for some people, that's really a hard choice because they want to make it, but they can't get outside of their own head sometimes. And, and so like, you know, are you going to choose the pain of staying kind of unhealthy and dealing with those consequences or things? Or are you going to choose the pain of, I'm going to go work out today and it's going to hurt and I don't really want to go. Um, but choose the pain of going through it and have, you know, something better, better at the end. So, but I think that that's, that's something that's, that's been really important to me that, that I see and forgiveness, mm-hmm. right? I mean that, you know, you kind of touched on that a little bit when you were just using that example of the vow, um, forgiveness, um, because I have, um, really seen how people, you know, can, can give that, but you also, in any kind of recovery, and I'm talking about addiction or the loss of somebody or because you think about those things, too, of what you could have done better, you know, did, did that have anything to do with me or, you know, you know, I know just my mom deals with that right now, you know, because my, my father passed away from COVID and she's wondering, oh, maybe if we wouldn't have gone here, he wouldn't have got, you know, so it's like, but and when I say forgiveness, I mean, forgiving yourself. Because we can give it. I mean, I have seen it in my own life. People are very forgiving. If they see you wanting to do better with your life, people people want that for you. Even if you've hurt them, people see the work you're doing and they want it for you. But the forgiveness of yourself, which goes back to what you were talking about with the shame and stuff, that is a whole nother um, process that is that is very difficult. It, it has been for me. Yeah. Well, and I've said again, many times in this podcast and in life that forgiveness isn't about the other person. You know, I've learned that myself as Mm -hmm. I've taken different little courses in forgiveness, read books on that. It's really not about, you know, it's not about the other person. And um, 
Everything that you're saying, I hear, I've heard in the eating disorder world, I've heard on this podcast from others who've had drug addictions, alcohol, mm -hmm. things like that. Mm -hmm. There is um, just, and I even spoke about it when I was interviewed earlier today on a podcast, like it's those, like we can think that, man, that, that tunnel is so painful to get to the other end, right? Mm -hmm. But we don't, if we can just take one step today or choose to not take a drink, choose to not call that person, choose to not do that destructive behavior and just choose today to want, you know, to get through this hour, to get through the next yeah. 10 minutes, to get through the next day. Right. That's a little step and a little step and all those little steps can add up to, you know, you're down to, at the end of the tunnel. To a new life. Right. To a new life. And and I say that a lot and I talk to other people about this. And, and again, this isn't something that I've really shared until you really. So, but you know, you have to watch out for your triggers. You know, they talk a lot about that in therapy. They talk a lot about that in any kind of recovery. They talk about that in, you know, abusive relationships, you know, just anything where you're rebuilding. What are your triggers? And I used to go, oh, gosh, how do you, how do I snap out of that? And I wore a, um, a rubber band, you know, like a, a hair tie around my wrist for years. And any time like a trigger would happen, I just snap it because okay. it would immediately change my brain to, okay, we're going to literally snap out of that. Mm -hmm, <laughs> right. Mm -hmm, yeah. um, and, and I, I remember the day I took that off. Like, I was like, I don't, I don't have to wear this every day. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I just, but those are all different, healthier coping mechanisms that we develop as we're going through action plans and we're going through the process of, you know, figuring out how to rebuild our life. And, and I also say to people, and, and I'm sure that I know that you've talked about this. Um, and, and part of the reason that I, I've really valued being able to connect with you is embracing your strengths, right? And, and, and focusing on those, because when you're, when you're with therapists or you're building programs, or you're with a life coach, and you're working through processes, you're, you're taking assessments of your life again, Right. And you're taking assessments of the bad parts, but you really have to start taking assessment and owning the good parts, because that's where the rebuilding begins. That's where the passion and the proactiveness and the action plans and the, the work starts of what's going to lead you to a better life. And for me, that's worked. Mm -hmm. That's worked. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I love that um, analogy or the, you know, the action with the rubber band. I mean, we've talked about that again in my, in my business. Like when you think, cause you know, we have all this stinking thinking, right? We talk about that though. There's so many negative thoughts. And so we tell people to have that exercise. Like every time you have a negative thought, just snap it. And so it's like, I don't want to, or if, if you're tempted to say something, you know, degrading about yourself, just snap it. Snap it. And mm -hmm. it's amazing to have that, to do that, because it's a realization that you're like, oh, I mean, I How should often? snap it every time I yeah. say again right. or um, you know, because right. maybe I, mean, I quit saying um so much, you know, but, <laughs> or, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and it was, you know, it's an eye opener, right? Because mm -hmm. it, it's all, it's almost something that you can gauge your progress with. Because, you know, I mean, there was a time where I had whelps, you know, on my, <laughs> on my wrist. And then I was like, wait a minute, I don't, did I even put that on today? 
right? So those are, you know, that's a way that you can kind of gauge the progress you're making that other people can't see. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, when it's your story and it's your, you know, and it's your your pain, you know, it, it's you have your people, right? I mean, and again, it, it goes back to safe people. I think that's another element that is so important for people to um, to have and to understand what that means because, you know, you have recovery and you have, and I'm talking about, you know, eating disorders or, you know, sex disorders or, or addictions or, or any of these, any kind of addiction of any kind, you need to be able to have people that you can be safe with about that because you know it's a process that you're working through and and one thing you're rebuilding is your your Mm self-esteem you know and and that is not an easy thing to rebuild Mm -hmm. you know and so you want to make sure that you really have some safe people around you that that don't remind you how you failed right Mm -hmm. because that's so counterproductive you know, it doesn't, it doesn't do anything for the process of that. So um, that was another thing that I had to really, really look at. And, and, you know, some, some people are, and some people aren't. Well, and sometimes we learn the hard way, right? As we open up and we share with people and then we hear, you know, you know, a story getting back to us through someone else, or they, again, don't, they're not there Mm -hmm. to support us or those type of things. And um, it's unfortunate, but you know, as I've gotten older in my life, I've just realized the importance of having a tribe of women. And I mean, your friend that introduced the two of us, I mean, she's one of those people that I know I can call in a second and just talk about whatever, Mm -hmm. um, and that she's safe. And I count myself lucky that I have this Mm -hmm. tribe of women that doesn't have to be very large and it's not super large and I don't want it to be, but I know that those women, Mm -hmm. um, like I call some of them my travel buddies because when we travel, we have a lot of fun, but we go deep and it's awesome to be able to sit yeah. around and go deep and talk about the things, talk about our mistakes of the past. And they're, they're there to listen and to affirm us and say, because again, any listeners, if you've ever gone to any type of support group or gone away for a yoga retreat or a women's, you know, where you sit around a circle or a campfire and say, here, you know, share what's going on with you. And you think that your story is bad. I mean, I'm telling you, I did that at a yoga retreat down in Austin and I sat and I was one of the last people to share. And I looked at those women and I was like, we just need to give everybody grace because when you hear people's stories, it's, it's amazing that these people can continue on. When I heard the stories of abuse and addictions and struggles, it was like, what? Like mine isn't so bad. And again, let's just give everybody grace because I feel like we all just want to be heard and seen and loved. (laughs) And that was one thing that I met that I learned there. And as well as another program that I went through like a weekend program. And because we're so judged we, well, let's see, I'll say I, I can be so judgmental and like, we look at somebody and, you know, maybe the, you know, I remember this guy, you know, he had really long hair and he smelled like smoke. And I was like, Oh, another one of those smoking guys. Well, I don't really <laughs> like that long hair. So you make these like quick judgments. I got to know him throughout the weekend. What a wonderful man. Right. Like shame on me for having that, but that's what we do. We judge so quickly mm-hmm. and it's easier for me to cut you down 
because it takes attention away from me. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When they say saving grace, it's true. Right. I mean, it's true because it, it's another thing like forgiveness. We can extend it to others, but sometimes we don't save enough for ourselves. Mm-hmm. But it's been, you know, something that um, has really gotten me through some really, really hard times. It has also shown me because it's shown up at times that I didn't know if I deserved it, you know. And and so when it has shown up and I'll just give an example, was, you know, almost two decades ago when I was, well, at least I mean, I'd already been in, you know, working a program and everything, but it was about 18 years ago, 17 years ago. And, and my son was very small, a baby. And I was at this church and I started attending it. You know, I was restarting everything, right? So you don't have a lot of money and you don't, you know, you're just, you're just, again, restarting your life. And it was Christmas time and someone came up and they gave me a card and it was a, a Christmas card and I had a hundred dollar gift card in it so that I could go and do Christmas shopping for this new, this new child. And I've never forgotten that because it gave me like a sense of dignity that I, I thought I had lost. Right. And that grace at that time has accelerated in other areas of my life because I haven't forgotten that moment, you know, and a perfect example is just this, I mean, just this, um, this winter, you know, I I called my tribe, right. And I said, Hey, you know, all of these workers out here, they, they can't wait tables. They got kids. They don't have any money. And next thing I know, we've, we've taken care of over 75 kids with Christmas items. Wow. Right. But I was on the other side of that at one time. And and I know how that felt. And and I can look back now at those examples and say, okay, you know, that's what I learned from that. And this is what I can do with it now. Mm -hmm. And that's when you know that you've healed. Right. That's when you know that. But again, that came down to grace. It was it was one person I didn't even know extending grace to me. And that impact of that has now helped other people. Mm-hmm. And, and I just think it's a really powerful thing. You know, it is. And um, so many, again, that I talk with have, again, been to hell and back. And uh, they say that and then they've gone on to choose careers or choose volunteer opportunities where they can help people who are where they used to be. And so they can understand that just like you, you can understand the, you know, that parent who doesn't have the money for, you know, to help their child. So you can extend your hand. I mean, you've done an incredible job with so many things in our downtown during this last year. And I, I, we just all so appreciate in our community. It's just, it's wonderful from the, from the tents so that the, you know, we can eat outside (laughs) and um, just lots of things that I'm sure I don't even know about either. But, um, but the point again, is that we go through things and sometimes we're in the, we're in the pisser and we just are like, this really sucks. But, but there will be a, I can't, you know, say it enough either. There will be a time that you're able to pay it back. And there's a time that you can look back and go, oh, I see who did that. (laughs) I mean, that couldn't have been anybody except for, at least in my belief, the divine that intervened there. Mm -hmm. And it always gets me when I bring it up. But when um, when I was on my kitchen floor on my knees, 
and saying, don't take my daughter and mm-hmm. don't take my business, you know, and just going, I don't know what else to do. And you cry out to a God that you, you know, the God of my understanding. And I went on with life, but you know what happened is that when I settled down in the morning and did my meditation, I thought of some, you know, somebody's name came to my head and I was like, well, you know what? I'm going to start calling those people. Cause I wonder why I'm thinking about Joan. Or I wonder why I'm thinking about Al or mm-hmm. Edvina or whatever. And I started to call them. And before you know it, I was like, Oh, that's why I was supposed to call them. Mm-hmm. And like, that's no, and it continues to happen today, even on this podcast where someone sent me a book and said, here, would you feature these people on your podcast? And I said, sure. And so, a credible story of recovery and redemption. Um, Laura and Tom Bolt, you can, if you haven't listened to that podcast, go back and listen to it. It's a great book and um, and a great story. People that should have been dead based on <laughs> their negative you know, choices that they made. But what was interesting is, you know, I read most of the book and then the podcast is coming and uh, that day. So I decided I'm going to read the last couple of pages, right? <laughs> and because um, I got to, I know how it ends, that it ends well, but right, I right, you know. Right. <laughs> so I read a part from Laura, the mother, and she said, I have come to believe that addictions are not the work of the God that I know, and they are the work of the devil. And the thing that has gotten me through is my faith and learning to, you know, rely on faith. And I got to tell you, that day, that's exactly what I needed to hear. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. we don't understand and we try, I know for myself, I try to control things and get everything. But you know, when those kind of things happen, like there was somebody that knew that I needed to read that book to that right. particular day. Cause it mm-hmm. was a rough, it was a rough time. And then I also heard from Tom, the son on that interview that day, as I talked to him about his relationship with his mother. Cause I, again, I'm a mother who has someone who's struggling and have felt just awful from that and wanted to, to help. And I said, you know, how was that relationship? And all, you know, talk talk about that. And he said, you know what? I love my mother and she tried a lot of things, but you know what? Until I was ready to recover, it wasn't happening. Again, exactly what I needed to hear that day. And I believe so many of the audience needs to hear that too. And so I just know that um, as I continue to follow those nudges and follow those things that happen, you know, we may not know what's the reason for things, mm-hmm. you know, and, but there's, there's a reason. And so yeah. we just move forward and I yeah. keep sharing things and keep calling those people when I think of their names, yeah. because there's a reason for, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. For and I, and I, I'm like you, I believe all good comes from God. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I know that, um, that he has had me through all of this, because there would be absolutely no way I would be standing without it, mm-hmm. without that faith. And, and, you know, and that, and even faith itself is a process, right? I mean, you, you go through, you go through that um, and you wonder why and, and how, and, you know, I mean, just recently, you know, losing my father, you know, the closest person, uh, you know, I spent all of this time in my work and I thought, what a, what what is the lesson in this right because i spent an entire year devoted to overcoming covid for businesses and then it takes my dad mm-hmm. right in the, in a week right and and you know and those are the times where you kind of want to be mad and then you realize 
and and this was so this was probably the most profound thing that has happened in my faith and I was sitting there and I was one of the lucky ones that got to go in and be with him before he passed and and I was holding his hand and with his other hand he was reaching up and he was asking if his mom was there you know to get him Mm. and I was just like he's leaving you know he's he's leaving now and it's okay and for me the visual though right because we all you know most of us who believe in this we don't have we don't we don't know what it looks like we feel it but for me that was the first time of having such a visual of where my father was going to go that the peace that that brought me has gotten me through this Right. Um, but I will say, and you were saying when you were like on your, you know, those moments when you're on your knees and you're, you're just, you don't know if you're going to get back up. Right. I mean, I have to say the last couple of months I, I've been there, you know, and, and I didn't think after what I've come from in the last two decades or over 20 years ago that I was going to be on my knees again, wondering how I was going to get through something. And, and and it was and it was realizing that i had seen a, a facebook thing where you had a podcast about recovery and where people told their stories and i thought that's what i'm supposed to be doing that right there so i'm going to get up i'm going to get up today and i'm going to decide to take control of what i can take control of right i can't i can't Pay attention to the noise that's over here of a story that doesn't exist anymore, right? But I can take control because this person just came into my life who's doing these positive things. And I know that everything I want to do now is positive and life-giving in some capacity. That's who I need to go talk to, right? And, And so like when you were just talking about those things, that's exactly what happened with me with you. And, and that's why it's just so powerful. And I, I cannot thank you enough for, um, for the opportunity to talk to you today. Cause these are hard things. These are they hard, are hard things. things. They're mm-hmm. hard things to talk about. And, and again, sometimes we're again, going through this, these interviews. And again, I've been doing it for over a year. Thank God, you know, <laughs> blessings. I've met so many wonderful people, but yeah, sometimes it's kind of heavy and you're like, oh, this is heavy stuff. And yeah. yet that's why I called it like juggling. Cause it's just like, we got to yes. juggle, we got to smile. And again, when we, and have that courage, cause people always talk, what, how did you get the courage to start sharing? I'm like, I don't know, but you know what? Well, actually I do know <laughs> because when I had, when I had the courage to share the first time, you know, I sh- again, talked about this earlier today. I never talked about my my eating disorder um, that I had in college and because I'd gone through it, I'd gotten past it and, you know, and it's fine. I was strong in recovery, so I didn't really see a purpose, but boy, when my niece started to struggle, my, when my daughter or my sister called me and told me about my niece and, um, and then my best friend's daughters started to struggle. That's when I started to share. Mm-hmm. And my son said, mom, we didn't know you had this. I said, you know what? There really wasn't, I don't think there was a purpose then, but now there is because I can tell that person, my niece, my, you know, best friend's daughters. I said, I've been there before. 
and I know how dark it is. Mm -hmm. And I also know that there's hope on the other side. And to be able to provide that light, that was the first start of things. And then again, just a nudge from God as we drove home from dropping our daughter off into somebody else's care. And we were going to leave her for months and it still gives me chills. And I drove home and I kept hearing, you got to talk about this. You got to talk about this. Mm -hmm. And it's so, and it's tough because, you know, you don't know what other people are going to say. You don't know how other people are going to react. And it's pretty, but you know what? I tell, I told the story. I did a Facebook post some six years ago and half of it, just like this podcast, half of it was from me because my husband and I, it was arguably one of the most difficult days of our life. Sure. And we needed that mm-hmm. support. Yeah. But I got to tell you, since then, I mean, for you just to affirm that a couple months ago, you happened to see a post from me and that helped you get out of bed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. Yeah. And yeah. I just humbly just do this, but it's like, there's reasons for it. Yeah. And um, because the last couple of weeks I've had moms reach out to me and say, is it all right if I share this with you? Because mm-hmm. I know you've shared publicly. I just got home from the nutritionist's office. My daughter's been purging for the last six months right. and I don't know what to do. And I feel guilty. And this is, you know, it's all my fault. Mm-hmm. So again, we share so that we can help ourselves, but so that we can help other people. Yes, very too. much so. And, you know? and, you know, and I think part of that sharing is showing what the other side does look like. And, and this format that you have does that because, you know, I've shared in other in other um, venues, right? In other you know closed door settings, um, because I, I am a big believer that not everyone deserves your story. If you don't mm-hmm. feel like you you have to know your comfort level, because some people every the one thing I've really learned is that everybody is in a different place when it comes to recovery, and you have to accept that, right? Like there's people I know that have lost children. Or lost their husbands you can't you know you can't judge them if you know like one's already gone out and gotten remarried or something like this is their their way of coping right this is this is their their way of handling it or divorce or addiction or you know any of those processes that that require people to really have their own own journey the, the one thing that I have found, because you might not always agree with it because yours was different too, is you can't judge it. Mm-hmm. You can't judge it. And, and, and so you kind of have to say, okay, am I going to accept how they're doing it? Because, you know, at least they're doing it. Right. And, and that's really important to, to do that because then you're not frustrated as the other person that's maybe helping them through things. Um, so that was, that's one thing that, that I've really had to look at, but um, I think the darkness that you talked about, you know, um, when it comes to like talking about your story or sharing it, you know, you're the one that went through it. You're the one that knows what it was like that day when you dropped your daughter off. Right. And, and, and that there's other parents that know that feeling. I know, I know my parents know some of those feelings when it came to me and, and the choices that I was making that, that they never would have thought their daughter would have made. Right. Mm -hmm. But there's also that other element of that's not your daughter. Right. Like, like I was this other person and then there was this. 
and 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 she was still there she was still inside and and i had to figure out a way to come back out and then to be alive again and that's really really hard work because so many people and i've seen it um they choose not to get out of that middle part because they're so worried about the failure of that mm-hmm. right they're so worried about that um but i think that one thing that that i hope i can offer is that there is so much life on the other side but you cannot let other people who haven't gone through that tell your story tell your story and make it sound like you know it was nothing and that it just happened you know yesterday when it's like no that's been a 20 year process that was blood sweat and tears right that's another thing that I just noticed with people that, that are really going through anything, whether it's recovering from a really painful divorce that took five years, right? Like they, they may not be ready to make other decisions because they're still dealing with that or, you know, or in my case, the things that I was dealing with. But I think, again, it comes down to the assessment of what am I good at? What are my strengths and how can I take those and be the better person that I know I'm capable of? And, and, and owning that, because like when I said, when I hit the floor the past month, I had to remind myself of those. And I haven't had to remind myself that I deserved these opportunities and these second chances and, and, and that my hard work matters. I haven't had to get to that point in a really long time. And, um, and it was, you know, kind of seeing what you had put up about the recovery and the chaos i thought oh my gosh that that's exactly this is complete chaos i don't even know is it even real where did it come from and then i saw that and i'm like well that's not a sign i'm supposed to talk to somebody i don't know right right (laughs) yeah well and um again i commend you for for again getting up i feel like this is what a therapist told me one time. She said, you know, when the pain resurfaces, it's there. It says it's not done teaching you what it's supposed to be teaching you. And I found that when I, when my past was seemingly repeating itself in front of my face with my daughter, I wasn't triggered to go back to being an anorexic and a restricted right. eater, but boy, that pain, that pain right there. was like, okay. And so I got myself into a therapist's office yeah. because one mm-hmm. of the moms, one of my support groups said that was one thing that saved her was getting mm-hmm. into. And, you know, when I hopped in the car after I went on a housewalk in, in our wonderful town and a couple of years ago, and, um, and I just started to cry and I'm like, what is going on with me? I mean, I cry. You could see, I just, yeah. <laughs> I can be triggered very quickly. Yeah. I'm like, What was that all about? Well, as I went to my therapist and we talked about, I said, yeah, I went went through the housewalk, beautiful homes, but I saw the moms and the daughters and I saw the kids that are like friends with my daughter. And I just thought about like, my daughter should be here. And it's like, we grieve. And she pointed out, we grieve for a life that we wish we had either with ourselves or Mm -hmm. with our loved one who's struggling. And, um, and that was wonderful to be able to, I mean, it wasn't wonderful to be feel that pain, but again, it was a way for me and it's still solace today when we go through and you can check my podcast out for you're a more than a missed holiday. My daughter's missed birthdays. She's missed mm-hmm. holidays. There are things that have been missed that I grieve that because mm-hmm. I wish it 
wish it was. And that's just the way, that's the reality of it. And we can choose to pick ourselves up. And if you listen to that podcast, I talk about, again, what I can do and how there are, like, what about next year? Let's think about next year and like move towards that Mm -hmm. and um, not be stuck in that past. And I just feel like I want to bring up, um, because again, I want to say to people that as much as we can sit on this side of recovery and say, oh yeah, it's not all peaches and cream all the time. No, not at all. Not at all. And, and, you know, just what you were saying, like when I said, I never would have thought I was going to be on the bathroom floor when I've been at the highest of my career. Right. When I, when I know that I know that I know that, you know, I've had respect now. It's like all those things that I never thought I might get back. And then I just felt they all came crashing down over something that I worked so hard for two decades to recover from. And, and that goes back to what you were talking about with the shame and the, and that, because when it's your story and, and that comes, it, it all, like you said, it all comes right back. It's like the day of, right. And you think, oh my gosh, I thought I had healed from that. Or I thought I had, you don't always heal from all of it. Right. But, but you learn how to cope with it and, and your recovery is faster, right? Like that probably would have sent me years ago. I don't know if I would have picked myself up from the bathroom floor in a day, right. That may have taken a week. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so what you're saying about that middle part of recovery yeah, it's, it's, it's hard and it's, it's not pretty pictures and unicorns and rainbows. That's for sure. Yeah. So. And I do, you know, and I also say, again, kind of those listening to the voices and the nudges and things like that. I mean, I just have to tell you like the last, when we saw each other last week, yep. you know, you told me that you asked about my dancing and I always bring this up because, <laughs> well, I mean, I bring it up I'm because you brought it up. I want to talk about it. Yeah. Well, cause it's so it's profound because And I told my instructor yesterday, I said, you know, I went to this grand opening and two of the women that I ran into, they mentioned the dancing and are you doing it? Are you still doing it? Because I watch all your videos and I do all this. And I say that because we can talk about a few things with that, but just the idea that I decided I wanted, I wanted a little fun in my life and I felt like I could dance if I had a good lead. I mean, that's really what it was. And, um, and I've been, there's been some rough spots and I had some space to go and try something new. So I decided to walk into a dance studio and try a class. And here I am six months, seven months, eight months later, and it is completely changing my life. Yeah. Not only that. It's changing that, other people's lives. It's changing other people's lives. Yeah. And when yeah. I, and I, like, I don't say that first because, oh, really? Is it? But it is. It is. And yet it's hard sometimes to like, and yet like my mission is to have a great impact on people. Like when people, when I'm dead and gone, I want people to say, you know what, Moira, she made a difference in my life. Mm-hmm. And when you say that, said that to me last week, mm-hmm. and again, it humbles me to go, wow, really? Because yeah. you know what, how many mistakes I made at the competition <laughs> and you know how much I've screwed up <laughs> and like people, people are like, well, a gal messaged me this morning. She goes, yeah. here's a little quote I thought of you and this uh, dancing with you. She goes, yeah. there are people that just wish they could dance like you. I'm like, oh my gosh, did you see me yesterday? <laughs> well, for me, and, and I share this with you, for me, what it was is that you loved yourself enough 
to say, I'm going to take some time and I'm going to do something for me. And I think especially as women, you look for that example, right? Because, you know, I mean, and I have a younger child and, and you get busy and, you know, your job and all of those things. And, and we could come up with 120, you know, reasons why not. Um, and, and I know how busy you are too, but I saw that and I said, for me, that was about, you know what, it's okay. It's okay for me to say, you know what, I'm going to go do that for myself. And, and, and I'm going to find something for myself again that gives me that kind of light and life. And, and so I think that example that you've set, I know it impacted me um, and I'm sure it's impacting others. But that's why I share that story with you, because um, and like I said, especially as a woman, I think it's so important that we accept that we deserve those things and that time, because a lot of times we just we just don't we don't we don't take it for ourselves and we don't think we deserve it. Yeah. And it was that, you know, because there's so much that that I've gone through and I've processed through, if you will, with this, because as it came up to that competition that I did that you saw, um, you know, it was a lot of it was more money than I've ever spent on myself. <laughs> and investment, investment, right? investment, investment, yes. investment. <laughs> um, and again, who am I to be a dancer in a competition, right? It was all of those things. I mean, I was literally like crying to my, a couple of my good friends, like, what is going on? Like, this is like a dance thing. Like, why am I so like, it's, I'm losing sleep over it. (laughs) I'm thinking about it all the time. (laughs) But my friend said, you know, haven't you been praying for something that would come into your life that would change it and improve it? I'm like, yeah, Mm -hmm. but Hello, a 36-year-old man from Moldova who tells me <laughs> that I have potential to be an incredible dancer. Like, she said, well, so what? You know, sometimes it comes in what's the passage in the Bible that mm-hmm. blessings come, I don't yeah. know, mm-hmm. whatever that is. But again, I say that because I want people to hear that sometimes, you know, we're introduced to things or we make choices and we're like, I don't know why I'm doing this. And I have to tell you, and if you've watched me, my Facebook post, it is not about me learning how to do the Viennese waltz and stay connected mm-hmm. in the hips so that I don't, you know, trip over my feet. It's about how I'm showing up in life. Right. And when my girlfriend said, just go do the competition. Yeah. I'm like, I don't think so. And I don't have that. She goes, do you have the money? I'm like, well, I have the money. And somebody let me borrow the beautiful dress. And, mm-hmm. and like, and Dimitri says, I'm, he'll get me ready. She's like, well, do it. I'm like, I don't know. I had every excuse in the book that I'm not worthy and all of that. Right. And she said, do you see what's standing in your way? Like, uh, that's yeah. me. Right. I'm the one standing in my way. And yet that's what I tell everybody else. My t- people on my team. And if you run into me and I'm like, hey, you can do it. Oh, yeah. You can push past your fear. Right. And there I was standing <laughs> at that doorway of fear. And like, I am not good enough. And I was like, I, and she said, just step through the door. Just go and do it. And I got to tell you, he, he just... And I did the competition and I came home with the third place medal and he told me how awesome I was. And I'm like, yeah, but did you see I screwed up the tango and I forgot to turn on the Viennese walls. (laughs) I go, I forgot to turn twice. He goes, so what? Right. You you showed up. We showed up. And again, as you know, we make mistakes Mm -hmm. and we take a deep breath and we correct ourselves and we keep going. And that's what that dance taught me. So what? I put my foot on the wrong side of him in the tango. So we corrected. He looked at me. Okay. Put it on the right side. And we went forward. So that's what we do in life. Right. It is. is. And it's, it's exactly why the other day I said, you know what, I'm going to 
I'm going to take control of this and I'm going to, you know, work even harder, you know, because sometimes you're just, you're driven, like you said, when you are like, okay, I'm going to show up. And, and I think at the end of the day, that's what we have to do. We have to have the intentional, it has to be intentional of showing up. And when we do that, our best self comes out. I believe that. I, I, well, I, and we're I'm showing up for that. ourselves. We're not showing yeah. up for anybody else. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the end, again, we show up and we give that inspiration to others. Yeah. But mm-hmm. we have to first show up for ourselves. Yeah. And we have to feel that we're worth it to show up for ourselves mm-hmm. and um, deserving of that. And this world beats us up so much that we really don't think that you know, we deserve it. And again, we've made mistakes and things like that in the past. But again, so what? We all have. Well, I don't know anybody. I mean, I don't know anybody that's the same person they were 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, and some of the, some of our stories are, are worse than others. But, you know, someone said to me once, and I thought it was really, it was really true. And it goes back to what you were just saying with those women in Austin is, you know, if you, if you have a bucket and you put everybody's problems in them, you, you're going to be pretty happy that you just pull out your own. Right. And, and so I think that really keeps, keeps life in perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we talked a little bit beforehand about, um, about books and different, I know you've mentioned different programs and things that yeah. you've been in and if, mm-hmm. you know, I think you had a couple of books or at least one in particular that you thought was a good sure. one that yeah, has helped I, you. Yeah. A couple of things, you know, I'm a journal, right. And, and, and I'm like a lot of people who has time for that. Right. Like, you know, kids and work and, uh, but there's, there's one that I get every year and it's called the five minute journal. And it's, and, and it, it is fantastic. It is, you know, three, um, you know, three things you're grateful for, three things you wish you could have maybe changed that day, you know, three people you're grateful for. It's, it's, it's A, B, and C, yep. but it, it just that five minutes is life-changing because, you know, you're reminded every day, okay, who was beside me? Right. And, and what were the, what were the good things of that day? And um, because you can find good things every day, right. Even in the pain, right. Like even in the last month of some of the things I've gone through, I'm like, okay, what's the lesson in that? What's the gratitude in that? Where am I going to find something out of that? And here I am with you. Right. And I'm like, somebody's going to take this and say, okay, I'm going to put prescription pills down the toilet today because I know I know that's not who I am. Right. Or, you know, so, or, you know, I'm going to work on my marriage today that that's the hard choice I'm going to make. You know, that's, that's the pain I'm going to, you know, am I going to do this pain or that pain? But so that journal that, that I really like, I also think a great book is um, Safe People by um, Henry Cloud. It's a great book. I think it's something that anybody going through any kind of recovery, you know, because a lot of that also is, you know, finding boundaries again. Right. Mm-hmm. I think it's also a really, really great, great book. So those are two, two of mine. Yeah, I haven't read that safe people, but you said that. And I want to, I want to mm-hmm. get that. I've read an, an awful lot of books and I've read some of yeah. um, uh, the other Henry cloud, you know, books mm-hmm. too. And they're very, mm-hmm. they're yeah. very good. And those boundaries, again, I can't say enough about boundaries and learning about boundaries that you can put down for others, but again, boundaries for yourself. Yeah. And the fact that again, there may be a day that you say, you know what, no, no, no. Sorry. I'm not, I'm not going out. Cause you know, or I'm not going to, 
or speaking up for yourself and saying, you know what, that's really not acceptable. And mm-hmm. if that's going to continue, then I'm not going to be part of this relationship or right. whatever the case is. Um, because again, sometimes we forgive others, just like we talked about, but a lot of times the forgiveness is, is all about us. Right. Same thing with boundaries. The boundaries can be with someone else, but a lot of times it's that boundary with ourselves. Right. And accepting that it's okay for us to set those boundaries. And mm-hmm. and that's the thing about Henry Cloud. He has all of those books regarding boundaries, whether you're wanting to date, you know, marriage boundary, just, you know, there's so many, so many great things from that. Yeah. They're really worth um, looking mm-hmm. into, yeah. you know, I know that we have many more conversations to yes. have as time yes. goes on. And I just, again, thank you. I feel very honored and blessed to, just have had this conversation. And I hope that, I mean, something that I said about, about dance that I'll share that I feel is like, I'm hoping that I uh, did this for you. And I do this for others is that when I go and dance and, you know, he holds space for me to be awesome. And he tells me how great I am and how much potential and he challenges me and he says, I'm not going to teach you like the one, two, three, I'm going to teach you the other things because you can, and he holds space for me to be awesome. Mm -hmm. And there isn't any expectation or there's just, I'm holding space. And that's what I hope that I did for you today is that I held some space for you to be brave enough to share. And that's what I try to do on this podcast is just to hold space for people because Again, some people, we just, we just need that space for forgiveness, for resilience, for whatever the case is. And so I hope that I provided that for you today. You, you, and You absolutely did. And, you know, I just say, there's a, a quote that um, is in a book by um, Brene Brown, and it says, um, you know, owning your story and loving ourselves through that process is the bravest thing that you'll ever do. And it's true. It's true because you, you want to still love yourself through the process of that and you hope other people come alongside that. And, and that's um, that's one thing that you've been able to, to help me through this week. So thank you for that. Yeah, you're welcome. I think that's a great way to kind of wrap this up today. Don't be afraid to, sh- to share your story, to tell your story. You know, reach out to a friend, find your safe people and find your voice because um, it's your voice and it deserves to be heard. Um, and, um, again, everybody just wants to be seen, loved and heard. And, um, if we can provide that, then I think we've made the world, we're making the world a better place. So thank you Elle, for being here with me today. There'll be plenty other conversations I know. Um, and again, thank you for listening. You podcast world. I really do appreciate it. Again, I'm honored as I shared today. I'm just wanting to want people to know that there is hope. And they're not alone in your struggles. And um, we're all in the muck. And there's magic in our mess. There really is magic in our mess. And so go tell your story. uh, Find your safe people. And keep coming back and listening to the podcast. Share it with others that need to hear this story today. Really do appreciate it. And we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, head over to iTunes and leave me a five-star review. Share it with others. And make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a thing. I've got a tribe over on Facebook, so head over there and search for Juggling the Chaos of Recovery Podcast Tribe. And do you know somebody who has a story, a story to share, a story of recovery and hope? Please let me know, as I'd love to feature them as a guest on one of these next upcoming podcasts. And perhaps you're looking for a community of like-minded, collaborative, and supportive people 
who cheer each other on as we strive to improve our lives. If that sounds like something you've been looking for, schedule some time with me. You'll find the links in the show notes. Let's talk and let me help you find your way. And I'm here to tell you that you're worth it.